as we remember Noel, as we know that it is this time that we celebrate that Christ has drawn near to us, Emmanuel, God is with us. I invite you to open your Bibles to follow along with us um, in both Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and Exodus 30, verses 22 through 23. Uh, Matthew is the first gospel, the first book of the New Testament, and Exodus is the second book of the Bible, so um, easy enough to find both of those. We'll be reading Matthew chapter 2 first, and uh, if you haven't been with us at North Holland, our Advent sermon series has been on the three gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus, gold and frankincense, and today we take a closer look at myrrh, this third and final gift that was given to the Christ child. And so we'll first read Matthew 2, just as a reminder of who it was and what happened when these gifts were given, but then also the reason we turn to Exodus 30 same chapter from last week with frankincense, just a different part of it, is how were these gifts understood in the Old Testament? What was their use? What made them so special that they would be worthy gifts to give to Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our King? But before we read Matthew 2 and Exodus 30, let's pray together for God's blessing upon the word. Speak, O Lord, for we, your servants, listen. We listen that we might hear your truth. We listen with hearts open that are ready for you to dwell among us and within us. We listen with lives that are receptive to the ways in which you call us, transform us, and change us. Lord, all of this we give you thanks, for you have given us the gift of your word. You have sent the Holy Spirit upon us that it may be alive within our hearts. And so we pray, just as myrrh was used for anointing, will you anoint this time? that we might draw near to you and hear your spirit speak to us. In the holy name of Christ we pray, amen. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east and came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And turning also to Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 through 33 invite you to pay attention in these words to 
How special is myrrh, and what was it used for? Exodus 30, beginning at verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the, follow- take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much, that is 250 shekels, of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant calamus, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, and a hind of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant law, the table and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and the basin with its stand. You shall consecrate them, so they will be most holy, and whatever touches them will be holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, so they may serve me as priests. Say to the Israelites, this is to be my sacred anointing oil, For the generations to come. Do not pour it on anyone else's body and do not make any other oil using the same formula. It is sacred, and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and puts it on anyone other than a priest must be cut off from their people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When planning this series and looking at gold, frankincense, and myrrh, I didn't anticipate that we would have 11 students making profession of faith on the day that we talked about myrrh. And I'll admit at first, when Jake gave me the results of who could be available when, that we could celebrate with everyone, I was actually a little bit like disappointed. I thought, oh, the frankincense is the better one because that's all about prayer and, and burning the world down with prayer because Jesus Christ is our frankincense. And he has paid the price that our prayers may be heard. That would be the right thing for the same day as making profession of faith. And the reason I was a little bit disappointed that this was the day that worked out at first was because, I mean, myrrh, I'll admit, was the gift I was least interested in. Myrrh's just the, it's just the ancient embalming fluid, right? It's just the stuff you put on dead bodies. And that is a common use of it in Jesus' day. And I thought, that's going to be kind of a bummer, like profession of faith, celebrating Christ's promises, and then we're just talking about the spices that we put on dead people. However, God works things out. And the more I studied myrrh, the more fascinated I became with it, and uh, honestly, I'm glad that this is the day that we celebrate these young people joining church, making profession of faith. Because of what myrrh is, beyond just the perfume that you put over a body, and you do that, right, just for the funeral purposes, to to make sure that it won't smell too bad during what we would call today a visitation. But myrrh is so much more than that. And we already read the passage from Exodus where we understand that myrrh was used for anointing. So if frankincense is used for the offering of prayers up to God, which is us looking up to God and saying, hear our prayer, Myrrh is used for the anointing when God gives a gift back and says, this is mine. I have claimed this. I have anointed this as my own. Myrrh is from heaven to earth. Incense goes from earth up to the heavens. We pray to God. Myrrh symbolically is saying God has reached down and touched these things and made them holy. 
We read this in Exodus 30, all of the myrrh that would be used, this special sacred formula to say God saying all of these things are mine and they are holy and anything that even touches them will be made holy. And I wonder today if we can just take a moment of imagination of thinking about myrrh as God's hand reaching down and touching hearts and saying, you are mine. In the waters of baptism, we claim that Christ has marked us as his own forever, and we say, you are mine. And today, we saw our young people say, yes, I know, and respond to God saying, you are mine, and their response is, yes, I am yours. Myrrh is used for anointing. It is used to set things apart and say, this is different, this belongs to me in a special way. Now, we know that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, all who live in it. But myrrh was for those extra special places where God says, this is mine, and you're going to offer your prayers up to me, but I'm also going to reach down to you. Myrrh is sacred for that reason. But there was one curveball that I found in all of the studies of myrrh. If you have a concordance at home, you know, one of these big, heavy books that tells you every single use of every single word in the Bible, I learned something really interesting about myrrh, and it became my favorite trivia question this week. And so I've asked it to a lot of people, and so don't blurt it out if you're one of the ones who heard it already. But as I looked at myrrh, I wondered to myself, where would this show up the most in all of the Bible? Does anybody know who hasn't actually already been told this? No shame in that, because I don't actually know. I'm really tempted to pick on my parents because they're here today and ask them if they know, but I'm not even going to do that. We'll pass on that one. Well, myrrh is used 18 times in the Bible. And certainly we might think, well, it's got to be in one of the Gospels, right? Because Jesus, after all, is presented with myrrh, as in the passage we just read from Matthew 2. It is wine mixed with myrrh that is offered to Jesus when he's on the cross, when he is dying for us, for our sins, for our salvation. When he's dying for us, he is offered myrrh in the Gospel of Mark, though he refuses it because myrrh was also used as anesthesia to remove pain. And Christ was not trying to get out of the pain of the moment because his love was stronger than anything. We might think, and then also, myrrh was used to anoint Jesus' body by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus in John 19. So unfortunately, though myrrh is mentioned a few times in the Gospels, it's always in different books. And reading Exodus and Leviticus, I thought, well, maybe they use a lot of myrrh, but actually not much. Friends, the place where myrrh shows up the most in all of the Bible is Song of Songs. Song of Songs is the romance book of the Bible. It's the love story between two young lovers who are talking about how much they love each other and the caution throughout the entire book, if you read it, is do not awaken love before it is ready. It is a book of passion. And there, in Song of Songs, eight of the 18 uses of the word myrrh are found in the Bible. In Song of Songs of all places. Because myrrh... Myrrh is more than just the thing for funeral visitations, and it's more than just the thing that you use to anoint priests. Myrrh is a perfume signifying great love. Myrrh is a perfume signifying great love. And so when things are anointed with myrrh, it is to say, this is an anointing of God's holy and precious love on you. Now, 
I'm glad that we can appeal a little bit um, as, you know, as a Reformed pastor uh, to John Calvin, one of the forerunners of the Reformed tradition, who he interprets Song of Songs as a love, a love uh, kind of uh, sonnet between God, between Christ and the church, the bride and the bridegroom, Jesus being the bridegroom and the church being the bride. And if we take that into account, if we think of Jesus saying, I love you so much, it makes more sense that we find myrrh used as an anointing oil. Now, I'm not going to read all the passages in Song of Songs because I think some of them actually can make us giggle a little bit. But I will say this, that uh, the bride talks about having her fingers dripping with myrrh as she embraces her beloved. We are embraced by God, and we are anointed, called as his own. Myrrh is holy in this way because it is God saying, this is mine. This belongs to me in a special way. Friends who made profession of faith, what you have declared today and put into practice and stood here for saying is, I know that I belong to Jesus in a special way, that I am set apart, made holy, not on your own merit, not on your own doing, but because of what Christ has done for us. Myrrh, of all of the gifts, is the one that does make the strongest link between gifts that were given to the Christ child and how they link us to the cross. Because yes, Jesus' body was anointed with myrrh, but it was anointed with myrrh, not in hopes to bring him back to life, but it was anointed with myrrh out of honor and love. Myrrh was used only for the holiest of occasions, for the anointing of priests. Lesser amounts of myrrh could be used as perfume for a young couple on their wedding night. Myrrh would also be used to anoint a body out of honor and love. So friends, as we think of all of the gifts that were, give, that were given to Jesus, myrrh is the one. Myrrh is the one that points us towards the cross the most because it was given to those who were going to die, that Jesus was anointed with myrrh after his death. After he died for us, he was honored and loved by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, saying, this one belonged to you, O God. And in all of their confusion, in all of their uncertainty, in all of their not knowing what was going to happen next, they still showed their love and honor to Jesus by anointing his body Friends, whether you made profession of faith today or congregation at large, with all of life's uncertainties, with all of the twists and turns, with all that we don't know, we still are marked as Christ's own and can still, in the same way as, as Joseph and Nicodemus, look ahead and say, I will still honor Jesus. Though I know not what will come next in life, I will honor Jesus because I have already been marked as his own. Myrrh, to anoint priests, to anoint bodies as a special and holy way of saying, you are mine. And I know we often don't talk about anointing as much, uh, maybe as we should. I'll admit that uh, some friends of mine from uh, different Christian traditions growing up when I was in high school, they seemed very into the idea of anointing. Uh, in some ways that I thought didn't really line up biblically, um, it seemed a little bit more like, as we were all in high school, it seemed like teenage ego saying, oh, the Lord has anointed me to be this, that, or the other. And it just always started to sound a little bit weird. And I hope as we think about myrrh today, it doesn't sound weird. 
but rather it is a reminder that we are marked as Christ's own forever. Jesus could have taken myrrh as something to reduce his pain when he was on the cross. But as said, but it, were, it is worth repeating, Jesus refused this. He did not take anything that would lessen the pain that he had as he died upon the cross for us, dying for our sins. Because getting out of pain was not the way that Jesus chose, but rather, as the anointed one, Jesus died for us, experiencing all of the bitterness and shameful death upon the cross. Jesus died for us, and he took no reprieve and no relief. This is what Christ has done for us. And yes, he was anointed with myrrh, but as Christ died for us, it is so that he could claim us as his own. If Jesus is our frankincense as we offer prayers, then Jesus also is our myrrh. It is through Christ that we are called God's own. There's nothing weird about thinking through that Jesus is the anointed one of God, as we heard in our call to worship this morning, led by our students. Jesus is the anointed one. All anointing of heaven and earth is fulfilled in and through him. And his invitation to you, to those who stood here and made profession of faith, is will you join me in this anointing? Will you say, yes, I know that I belong to you. In the holiest and happiest moments of life, I belong to you, Jesus. I am anointed by your Holy Spirit that will never leave me or forsake me. In the hardest and most difficult and trying moments, I belong to you, Jesus. I am anointed by you and you will never lessen your grip upon me or my life. You will never let me be put to shame or, or depart from me. And even as we die, we still belong to Christ. In body and in soul, in life and in death, we are Christ's own. From our happiest occasions to our worst, and either when Christ returns to call us all home or when we go home to be with Jesus at our own earthly death, we are marked as his own. So when you hear the story of the Magi, when you remember the gold of this holy and heavenly king, the frankincense of this great high priest, remember also that the myrrh is for you, that Jesus came into the world to be your myrrh, to anoint you as God's own, and to say, you are mine, and I will never give up on you. I will never turn away from you. I will never let you be left alone. You are mine, says the Lord, and as we join in his anointing, we are his. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we anoint with water in baptism. And we say those holy words, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. And today, we remember that your Holy Spirit continues to be at work. Your Holy Spirit is active in and among us. That you seek to still speak to us today and to move within us to transform our hearts and lives. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are and your great love for us. So Lord, we thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you anoint us not with any necessity of myrrh and expensive perfume, not with anything other than your spirit in our hearts. Lord, we thank you that we can share in your anointing, that you died for us, that you rose again for us, and we share in your death and your resurrection, your rising again, because you have marked us as your own. So Holy Spirit, be myrrh among us, 
as we think of the strong scent that myrrh brings, an unmistakable smell, may there be something so different about us when your Holy Spirit is within us that it is noticeable, even more noticeable than myrrh, a fragrant and holy offering. And may we live our lives as holy offerings to you, Jesus, both now and forever. Amen.